Hi, my name is Mike Ryan, and you're listening to Das Fulmanti, the Good News Podcast. Top of the morning, people, the good doctor in the house, and good day to you. Welcome to Das Fulmanti, the Good News Podcast. Central New York's only podcast dedicated to nothing but good news and the celebration of what is good and what is right. This podcast is brought to you by the Oxford Road Professional Group in New Hartford, New York. This segment represents season number one, episode number 14. Let's go for a walk. Top of the morning, people. We're live on a Saturday. Here we go again. Another special edition of Das Fomanti, the Good News Podcast. And we are actually, this is probably karma, because as I look out the window, we do have some partial sunshine today, which means we are absolutely in for a treat. <laughs> so as you know, part of the podcast celebrates the area of education and also blends into other areas, which is what we're going to get into today. But today I have a, a real treat, and that's a person I met some time ago. We'll get into that. But he also happens to be an educator with a real interesting reputation, and I am going to get into that as well. So I want you all to uh, say hello to uh, Mike Ryan. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, thank you. Wonderful. Doing great. Wonderful. Keyword, interesting reputation. Yeah. So I'm going to throw you under the bus <laughs> yeah. right, right, right out of the gate. Right. So I had a guest this morning. Right. Who actually knew you. Uh-oh. And her name is Miranda Stockbridge. Oh, okay. Yes, Miranda. Yeah. I yes. Taught yeah. her. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, okay. So, so oh, I'm safe, I think. Really? <laughs> I, I think so. Let's find out how well that works out for you. Okay. <laughs> I see. No, she said yeah. that uh, you would, I've got the word, the words that, that, that you use, oh. wild or out of the box. I said, it's going to be a party. <laughs> so you had her when you were teaching in Waterville, I yes. presume. Yes. I had her, I think I had her junior and senior year, mm -hmm. if I'm have, not mistaken. Do you have any idea what she's doing now? Is it community schools? Is she doing something with uh, community schools? Am I correct mm -hmm. on that? Okay, yeah. So I follow up a little bit. I've seen, I've seen, I think something on Facebook where she's doing something giving back. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I'd fail the quiz on what exactly it is. I <laughs> want to say community <laughs> schools or something related to schools. There is there's a couple things actually related to schools that she's doing. So yeah, the full-time job yep. is this particular company. The second thing is I learned a few things about her this morning. Yep. Uh, she is a survivor. Oh. Thyroid cancer. Oh, okay. And she also is the head volleyball coach at Clinton. Makes sense. Yeah, she was always good at volleyball. Really? I did not know. I don't think I knew about the thyroid. Yeah. Uh, was that from when she was a child or roughly five years ago oh okay so she would have been out of school wow okay yeah and wow. i did not know that was coming this morning right good for her talking for good for her what an inspiration i'm yeah. looking forward to uh you hearing her comments right. and uh specifically her comments about you oh boy so shout out miranda unless these comments are terrible then i take back my shout out i have nothing to say <laughs> so mike first of all back up and tell me a little bit about from where where are you from i'm from whitesboro I grew up about, oh, it's a 12-minute ride probably from here. Okay. Um, in a little development, Perimeter Road, Whitesboro, Westland Road Elementary School was the school that we went to. Um, yeah, just a, a nice little development. It was actually funny. Growing up, there was a enormous amount of kids within a three-year age range of my brother, my sister, and I. So we we had it made in the shade when it came to growing up uh, with with people uh, around us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was, yeah. So I'm not too far from home. I'm at the, uh, you know, the 
rival school now, but but yeah, Whitesboro, uh, good time, good good upbringing, what, iconic. Yeah. What year did you graduate from Whitesboro? Ninety six. Yeah. Okay. Nineteen ninety six. So you would not have known my mother in law then, Julie Cuth, senior English teacher. I didn't have her. No, I didn't. Fair enough. I don't. Uh, don't even think I had her for study hall or anything like that. Siblings? How big was your family? Yeah, three kids, all teachers. My brother's at Whitesboro. Are you serious? Yeah, yes. Yep. Bitten by the bug hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, my brother's at Whitesboro and- Still is? Still is. He's on year, if I'm on year 23, he's on 24. And my sister is probably on year 20 or 21 and she's at New Hartford teaching math. So we, we all kind of settled in, you know- Right by where we grew up. How do you explain that? I don't know. I I think I do think I wanted to be a teacher first. I I think I'm calling my brother and sister out on this one. I think I wanted to be a teacher first, and then my brother uh, became one before me. But I think I wanted. I think I declared it on a mountaintop first. Um, I think he wanted to be, if I'm not mistaken, I think he wanted to be an optometrist when I said I wanted to be a teacher. But I don't know what led to us being teachers, except for maybe the fact that we are siblings, so we have a lot of the same DNA and genetic makeup, and we were influenced by teachers. I th- I think that might have been something. What did um, your parents do? My parents, my mom uh, worked as at Utica National. In what, uh, in what, as a what secretary, capacity? As okay. a secretary. Uh, college was a must for us, that we were, you know, that was like kind of the deal growing up. You're going to college. You know, I... It was just like expected, you know? So that was through trickery too, probably like, you know, what college do you want to go to, Mike, when you're, you know, when you're six years old and do you want to go to a big school or a small school? But it just became one of those things like that's where we're going. Um, my parents don't have college degrees, so they really wanted us to. Uh, and and they, it was almost like, you know, not that we would have questioned it, I guess, but, you know, if we did, I bet it would have been a battle, you know? I think it would have been a battle if we said like, I'm not going, you know, I think my dad would say, you want to join the military? Do it at 22, have a college degree. You want to be a drummer in a rock band? Go ahead, do it at 22. Why can't you do it at 22? Not 18, you know? Uh, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. But they didn't have, um, they didn't have college education. So we did. And, uh, I don't, I don't know how to explain how we got it. I just know that mom, mom was a secretary. Then she did daycare. She took time off to raise us and she did daycare. And my dad worked at special metals. Oh, wow. Uh, as a factory worker. So he worked a lot of overtime. Hard worker. He was a hard worker. Yeah, I think that, uh, he, you know, he would wear a football jersey to work. You know what I mean? Literally? Like, yeah, like he, you know, because he, he sweat in that job. At the time, I, I'm sure technology is made up for what he does, what he did, you know, um, in a lot of ways. But I remember him, yeah, I remember him wearing like football jerseys and sometimes coming home tired, you know, very tired and, and whatnot. Um, hard job. Worked hard. Factory worker you know and uh gave us a good life by doing those things and yeah mike is uh somewhat of an imposing figure what are you six three i'm six two six two yeah yeah the tallest in your family i think i might be the tallest or i might be equal with my brother i Mm -hmm. just got uh my height at uh when i went to the doctor the other day and it was six two i won't tell you my weight (laughs) Coming out of COVID, that's one of the that's one of the sins we no yeah, longer ask anymore. Yeah, you saw me last night eating my riggies. You saw <laughs> clean plate club. <laughs> you know, think, some things yeah. were more than parents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you saw me reach for that calamari. 
You know, that was a wonderful meal with some yeah. wonderful friends. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about your 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 childhood. What was it like for you growing up in a place called Whitesboro? I know we've had a couple, at least one guest from the Whitesboro yeah. area, but I always make sure that people realize where pl- places like Whitesboro are. So, Whitesboro is uh, geographically uh, central New York. It, like every place, I'm sure, on the planet, Whitesboro has its own history. And um, what was it like growing, for you growing up in Whitesboro? Big you know, school district, too. It, it's a big school district, not too diverse. The running joke was Whitesboro, you know, <laughs> when people would accentuate the whites. And, you know, and that's there's truth to that. Um, you know, it wasn't a diverse school at all. Uh, but we had, you know couple hundred kids a grade and uh it was i think four elementary schools that went to a middle school that went to a high school and uh i i loved i loved it i i did um i had a great experience in high school i had a great experience in college and my wife had over 300 in her class yeah there's yeah it would fluctuate a few, okay a few hundred maybe yeah like three 300 280 320 something like that uh, i don't know what it is now it, probably shrinking like every school but still but still you know, a big school, at least, well, it depends on who you're, t- you know, if you're talking Sequoia Waterville, it's a big yeah, yeah, school. Yeah. If you're talking Proctor RFA, it's not at all. But uh, yeah, I, I had a great childhood and I, I love school. It was, it was cool. Playing any sports? I played lacrosse. I was uh, probably a level below decent. <laughs> so, D3 or no? Uh, no, nothing like that. Okay. No, I was, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I was that kid that didn't that sat the bench ninth grade, then played tenth, then sat the bench eleventh, then played twelfth. Uh, one of those kids, you the know, normal uh, second string type kid. But, but I liked it. You know, we were new. Um, we were a new program when I went through, so we, you know, they didn't question. they didn't have modified or anything like that. It was just JV and varsity, and we go play these Syracuse teams and get our lights turned out twenty zero. You know. It was, uh, we got a lesson in ass kicking. <laughs> just like, we go out to like, you know, Jamesville duet and just lose by oh, 25 wow. or something like that. If we could hold them to 10, it would be a victory. We, it was tough. I felt bad for our coach. You, you know, we, he he had us at, we were picking up a stick in ninth grade, kids out in Syracuse because of the Gate brothers, you know, they're picking right. up a stick at five. I, I was, now that I'm a teacher, I wonder that bus ride there was he, <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. just, you know, like he's getting paid, of course, but not much. And you're going to the impossible. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I know a lot of people don't, including myself. I like watching lacrosse on TV. Right. Like if I happen to turn on the TV and Syracuse is playing. Right. Just by default, anything Syracuse does, I tend to watch, which Same. explains my bouts of uh, depression. But, um, <laughs> how many how many people are on a lacrosse? Uh, you need nine. I, you need nine on the field. And plus nine the on goalie, the field. Plus the goalie. Okay. So, yeah. So it's it's you got your three defenders, or you don't have to do three defenders, but typically three, three, and three. Okay. And a goalie. So it's you need a lot of people on the team. You know, like you do need people to go out for it. Um, I'm sure Syracuse Syracuse schools probably cut people, but mm, you know they're looking for them. Or, you know, he wants. Sure. Yeah, you need ten people on the field. So, have, did you like? Lacrosse to the point where you would watch it on TV or go attend games. Yeah, anywhere? you know, I if there was a movie on, to be honest, I'd probably watch a movie before a game. That's just you know, if Shawshank's on or that's, yeah, I like to watch Syracuse. Oh, you, you love and, those uplifting films. I, I'm like, <laughs> well, he does. Spoiler alert: he gets out. But uh, <laughs> the last five minutes is good. Uh, yeah, but I I'm not a too sportsy of a guy. But I I like like you. I like Syracuse mm-hmm. and uh, gotta support local. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so I'll I'll watch a little bit, but I won't watch it intently. You know, I won't sit there and like ignore the kids or. 
It's good to have when you're grading papers. You can glance up. Thank God for replays. Yeah, I mean, I'll go up to SUNY Poly and I'll watch lacrosse games. And yeah, I mean, it's just the athleticism I enjoy. I, of course, I'm a real big fan of camaraderie, and I have right. no idea what I'm cheering for until the right. ball goes in the net. But right. it's a really, really cool sport. It's a yeah, and I should shame on me considering my Cherokee heritage. I should know a little bit more about lacrosse, <laughs> yeah, right? True. Well yeah. played, Mark. So here's something interesting. You should lo- be ashamed. I know, right? <laughs> that a lot of people don't know about Mike, right? Is if you have the the opportunity to go to his Facebook page. And Mike noted that he comes from Whitesboro, which is uh, certainly not known for profound levels of diversity. But Mike has a knee-deep level of knowledge of R&B music. Yes. More so than most of my friends of color. I got to tell you that. How? Where did that come from? I don't know. I think think just being born in 1978 and just... You know, I got to watch not the birth of rap, but the birth of mainstream rap, you know? So I just kind of Beastie Boys, Run DMC when I was in grade school. And everybody liked that. The older kids were listening to it. So we wanted to listen to it. And it was just catchy and different. And then, you know, when you start to go to sport games, they're playing rap songs, you know, weather warming up, you know? It was like they would play Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. Welcome to the Jungle and things like that. But then they'd throw in. So I just kind of liked that better. And I just, and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I got to grow up with it. You know, like that movie Straight Outta Compton came out a few years ago. And, you know, I, it was, you know, I, I, I was watching, they had clips at the end. There's this montage at the end of all the rappers, Dr. Dre and Easy e and Snoop Dogg. And I've never seen that movie. Is, is, is yeah. it worth the hype? Yes. The I th- I, if you like rap, I think it is worth the hype. It's, it's definitely, uh, I, I like the movie a lot, Okay, you know, and if you like, if you remember NWA and you like Dr. Wow. Dre and st- you'll like it, but I remember at the end, the, five minutes it's just like this montage of clips and i remember i saw all those clips live you know i would so i just kind of liked it and then the you know i got into i just got into all the rap as it grew and i i just liked it when i was in college it was big you know it just was i just i just gravitate toward it you know it's my it's my preferred i like everything i'm like i love tom petty blues traveler i've been listening to them a lot lately but i, I don't let i let rap rule the domain you're still gonna get it already answering one of the questions in the yeah. but that that's quite all right what kind of music does your wife lean toward uh she's got an eclectic uh she's got an eclectic taste in music she, okay you know she's big like i think her favorite is probably mama mia soundtrack <laughs> uh is but, that abba yeah it's okay. abba she just likes that um i probably should admit how much of an abba fan yeah I she's a dave matthews fan big oh, time yeah. okay. uh big time dave matthews fan uh she likes what's that band uh Oh, OAR, jam band, jam band type stuff okay. uh, of a revolution. They're a, like a Dave Matthews band, okay. similar to them. She into um, Mo and things like that. Too. Uh, not Mo, uh, not Fish, not Mo, but more commercial jam band stuff. Okay. Like you know, I'm trying to think of. And she likes pop, catchy music. Taylor Swift. She's a big Taylor Swift fan. Could you explain to me why Taylor Swift is so big? I think it's because she writes her own. I, I like the fact that since she was a kid, she writes her own stuff, and she is catchy. You know, like I. Ashley's liked Taylor Swift right when we started dating she was starting to hit the scene you know what I mean uh Taylor Swift was starting mm. to become popular and she was country then but she writes her own she stuff. was country she was country when she started wow <laughs> yeah her first few albums <laughs> you don't know <laughs> doc you're great go ahead laugh uh, it up. <laughs> <laughs> she's country I just like the way you said that um yeah she's country and she switched to pop and she's like 
She's like the artist of the gender, you know, like. Well, I'm seeing, yeah. obviously, she's at the news because of yeah. the Ticketmaster issues. Right. And those kind of things. Yeah. she's. I would say that she's the Madonna. I've one song right. on, yeah. her on, my, on my listening thing there, so. She's like the Madonna of her generation because that she's. That would make sense. She's like, you know, she's like, I like Lady Gaga and Adele, but they don't put the hits out as much as Taylor, whether you like Taylor Swift or not. Or, you know, she might not be as talented as Adele and some people think, of course, but she puts out hit after hit. Numbers don't lie. This mm. girl's been putting out hits forever, so that's why people like her i would say she's the madonna of her generation i like cindy lopper more than madonna but when i was a kid cindy lopper went away quicker yeah, that's kind of concerning mike <laughs> cindy lopper yeah i remember the videos who was that wrestler lou captain Al- lou, albano. lou albano or something albano yeah yeah i'm dating myself just then too wow points off for liking cindy lopper more than madonna <laughs> So you have an interesting childhood. Yeah. Uh, what kind of things do kids do in Whitesboro during their youth? Uh, you know, well, it's a different time. They weren't on their phone all the time. We would we would go out every night and play kick the can, manhunt, hide and seek. Summers were the best. We so had... kids don't have a clue what kick the can is. No, I, if I said that to my daughter, she'd be clueless. Kick okay. the can, I don't even really remember the rules. I just remember, like you kick a can and then everybody runs and hides. By the time the can stops rolling, you can go try to find them. I think that's what, how we played it back in my hood. <laughs> in my hood. <laughs> so, but it was just a, it was just like a glorified hide and seek, running bases. You know, running bases. You remember that game with the two? Are bases? you making this up, Mike? No, these All are right. true games. Manhunt is like hide. And Manhunt, seek. I remember. Yeah. So we played a lot. We rode bikes a lot. We would ride our bikes to friendlies, which was like a mile away. That was like a big deal. You know, we never tipped our waitress. We would go down there. If it was like two ninety nine, we would figure out the tax for a meal. We would figure out the tax, and we would come down there and with our three dollars and seventeen cents. I feel so bad now for what we did to these poor waitresses. You know what I mean? You probably I? have their kids in your classrooms <laughs> well, now. They, I and now you're paying the price. <laughs> I deserve it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't even think when you're ten, eleven years old about tip and these poor waitresses. So, but yeah, that's what we we'd go to friendlies like every day with three dollars and eat a meal. That was fun. I had a great childhood, you know. We had a we had a good time growing up. Lots of kids. It's cool. Now, considering your your personality, were you ever in trouble a lot as a kid? No, I wasn't really in trouble. I I did you get, had to be uh, yeah, effervescent. I got class existence. clown. My my um class elected me class in the yearbook superlatives. I I wanted best looking, but I got class clown. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, so I was like, but I was kind of, I think respectful. I was up for a good time, but I, you know, I didn't like torture people, but I might've been, what are you writing down? <laughs> I I could have been maybe a little less rambunctious in class and maybe a little more focused, but now this is like the good news and I'm feeling terrible, <laughs> but you know, I don't, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was in trouble all the time. Maybe told to quiet down a lot. But what are you writing? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm making all kinds he's, of notes. He stopped about you. listening to me. He's writing things down. He's you not looking at me pay anymore. For that. <laughs> he's not looking at me. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, any kind of trouble I got in, I don't want to talk about. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Actually, uh, you reminded me of a question that somehow disappeared, and but we'll get to that later. Yep. But uh, it's it's relevant. All right. So high school. Uh, yep. What what sports did you play? What kind of activities did you do in Just lacrosse there. Just lax. Yeah, yeah, just lax. And uh, I don't think I was in any clubs. I just- I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I know. I didn't really 
get into any like student government or anything like that. I don't know if that was my niche. Um, I We worked after school, like we had jobs, you know, like from sophomore year on, we were working. My, You know, that was like another rule in the house is you got to, you know what I mean? You got to get a job. So I was working at pizza. I was talking about Marissa. Worked at Pizza Hut together. Well, we're going to get to the, to that too. Sorry. Well, you're fine. All right, so we get through childhood. We got through high school. I'm still finding it hard to believe. Did you ever participate in any musicals or anything like no, that? No, I can't sing. I was cut from my... Back when I was a kid, they cut you from chorus. Uh, Come on. So, yeah, they did. I remember. And, I, and rightfully... Right, rightfully, yeah. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> it runs in the family because my mom... They told The music teacher told my mom to mouth the words when she made the chorus. They told her to mouth it. And then... They told me to, uh, or they just cut me, you know, but rightfully so. But I, I like musicals. Like, I like going to the school musicals. I go to every single school musical. I do enjoy plays and musicals, but um, I don't have, uh, that's not my wheelhouse at all. Fair enough. Yeah. But I like it. I appreciate it. At what point did you know that you were headed towards potentially becoming a teacher? I knew early. I knew in high school. What's early? High school? Uh, High school. I was in 11th grade. I had, you know, I am somebody who looks, it's hard to explain, but I'm easily motivated, or maybe I should say I pay attention to the people around me who who are, there are motivating people around you all the time if you're looking. Hmm. From an early age, a very early age, I would watch teachers and how they handled certain kids. Certain kids that hated school, discipline problem, you know, you would travel with these kids and let's say you have eight classes a day, you'd be in four of them with a certain group of kids that were, let's say the tough kids, right? I would like pay attention to how teachers dealt with those quote unquote tough kids. Mm. That was always interesting to me from time I was like 15. That was interesting to me because they would be better behaved and more participatory in some classes. So I would look at the teacher and say, why, why is this, you know, so you know, just I was I had a lot of great teachers at Whitesboro, a few in particular that were very um, inspirational to me. And I just paid attention to them, you know, and I and I saw what they were doing. I would I would see how they could bring the best out of some kids. And then I'd go to another class with a with that same kid and he would be a totally different version of himself. And I just thought that was the psychology of that was always interesting to me. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like It started to, but here's a question, because when somebody who is in the world of education right. uses words like, this person was inspirational to me, right. what does that mean to a guy like you? Well, it it just means that they, like they were, and the, ter- the teachers that I am thinking about right now from Whitesboro High can School. Can you name one? Yeah, I can name uh, Kevin Powers, my okay. lacrosse coach, that coach I was talking about that would ride the bus to the mm-hmm. games and- you Come know. back under pressure. <laughs> Probably. He was a huge teacher. Uh, pardon me, a huge uh, inspiration. To He's a CrossFit guy. He wouldn't want me saying he's a huge teacher. <laughs> you know, boy, he let himself go. No, he, uh, <laughs> he would, uh, he would, he did something at the end of my sophomore year. I was a painfully average student, you know, 85 average. Isn't that the most average grade you could get? 84, 85, sure. you know, one sport. You know what I mean? After school job. He took me after class and it was after our final and he just, 
pulled me aside and said, I just want you to, I just want you to know that you're a great kid. I really liked having you. He put his hand out to shake my hand. He spent all of 20 seconds saying these things. And here's a kid who was loved by his parents. I got, had great Christmases. You know, I felt the love in my house, but that meant something to me. That was like a moment. It's just the 20 seconds you take to tell an average kid that, that, that they were great to have in class and you really enjoyed them. That that's what I mean by paying attention, you know, and he probably did that with 20 other kids. You know what I mean? But he meant it and it felt good, you know, and those are the kind of things when you say inspirational. Um, he also put a lot of into his lesson planning. You could tell, you know, N nothing makes a good teacher stand out like a bad teacher, right? You know, and, and, and we you always have, no matter who you are, no matter what your school is, you're always going to have a couple that are phoning it in, you know, and the day I buy a little, um, a little countdown calculator to retirement is the day I've lost it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like okay. that is the worst thing you could do. Even if you're 53 years old and you've got two years left, you put a calculator or whatever those, the countdown on your desk for kids to see, I can't wait to get out of here. That's when you know you've lost it. Okay. And, and I had teachers that were 52, 55, 45, and they looked like they were first year teachers. They had that energy. They did not have that countdown on their, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying you can't look forward to retirement if you have grandkids and you did 33 years, but you don't want to send that message to kids, mm. you know, and the teachers that I, um, liked the most and that I learned the most from and that were inspirational to me, they looked like they acted like they were blessed to have their job. Like they, and they taught in different ways. Some lectured, some did more innovative things, but they, you know, like groundbreaking new things, you know, new, new methods and such, but they, you know, they, they acted like they wanted to be there. That was, that was huge to me. That was, and then, and I could name all the teachers that wanted to be there. You know, I, wow. Mr. Bronson, Mrs. Alexander, Mr. Powers. I teach downstairs from one. What was Mrs. Alexander's first name? Lisa Alexander, okay. she's a math teacher at Whitesboro. Because I knew Christ Alexander. He was a judge. Right. I know him too. I, I didn't know him in that capacity. Oh, yeah. You probably did. I had to stand before him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hence my question, people, yeah. about him yeah. being a, yeah. causing a ruckus in high yeah. school. No. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. he was before a judge. Wow. <laughs> nice, nicely but, played, sir. But that guy's name. Christ Alexander, know, like, right? come on. That's like, not the person you, know, you like, want to go before in right, right? yeah, circumstances. Yeah, yeah, really. So I was motivated by- You were motivated. Motivated by, by teachers. When did you, where'd you go to college? Oneonta State. How'd you choose Oneonta? I, <laughs> well, I like, you know, I couldn't get into some of these schools that you needed a 90. Um, like I said, my resume wasn't too, too impressive. It was probably going to be a state school for me. I went to Oneonta. Um, because I, I took a tour and they took us to the mess hall or the mess hall. What am I in the, the military? The mess hall. Dude, yeah, what are you doing? Who do you think I am? Yeah. Who do I think I am? Um, <laughs> I would look at the, uh, I, I just kind of paid attention in the mess hall. It was like two o'clock on a Saturday. So the students are like just going to eat breakfast. You know what I mean? And they just looked happier. They looked like there was something about the cafeteria at Oneana that just, they looked like, you know, there was... I don't know how to explain it, but they were just. It looked Clearly, like there it, was something it, militaristic about it. Yeah. If you were calling it a mess hall. <laughs> no, they looked like they were. You know, there's big groups of people eating together, and it didn't seem like anyone was eating alone. Everyone had like four or five friends. Hmm. Uh, it just, I just kind of pay attention to those things. They looked like they were having a good time, and uh, 
you know, as opposed to other places I went to, I would look in the mess hall, this kid's eating alone, that kid's eating alone, you know, little things like that I I factor in. You, you were know? there for four years? Four years. Four, four great years at Oneana. No kidding. I loved it there. What is the uh, mascot <laughs> for Oneana? Red Dragons. The Red Dragons. Yeah, same as Cortland. I was going to say. We, no we're the original. I don't know if that's true or not, but we. I like sure. to think we are. Give your school a plug. That's absolutely fine. I love. I loved it there. If I won the Mega Millions, I'd give them a million bucks. No kidding. I would. I would. Yep. Wow. And I see they just became a university. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I yeah, I think in... that. I, I don't know. I had a. I had a great experience there. I learned from some great teachers there. Yep. At what point did you decide to hone in on English? It's my favorite subject. I like stories. Like I was saying earlier, we knew there was that, something wrong. Yeah. With you. I, I, <laughs> I just love characters and stories more than anything. I How like... fitting. Yeah. <laughs> He's sitting here wearing an Aladdin yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yep. I just, I, I like that. I like to, as I, as the people who are listening to this know, I'm a talker. So, you know, writing, yeah, talking. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's interesting how with a few of my guests, they were not very keen and coming onto a podcast, you were one of them. Why the hesitancy? Because the people you've had on this podcast are people that are, you know, doing big things. You know, you got you had a Hanson brother on on the podcast. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, you had to like, you know, the God sure, smiled upon me. I, I'm sure everybody who you know gave you a, something to sign. Right? Can you get this? Can you get that? You know, like, um, but yeah. So I just I didn't know if uh, I thought maybe yeah I don't know just. <laughs> It might not be in the same league as some of the people you've had. Oh, you're the right. sheriff, you had you're the right. sheriff, you know. Well, the sheriff is a troublemaker. We'll yeah. talk about him in a minute. Yeah. Actually, I have his daughter coming up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Oh, we're, cool. Yeah, we're actually going to get the truth then. So. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'll be tuning in. <laughs> I'll be tuning into that one for sure. Yeah. So it's interesting about educators, and I'm sure you've seen a couple others who I've had on, on yeah. here so far. But I am a huge, huge fan of not just the power of education, Mike, because. There's very few things in life that provide equity. Mm-hmm. There are very few things in life that provide inspiration, socioeconomic and social mobility mm-hmm. more than the power of education. Yeah. And it's interesting because you're looking and talking to somebody who grew up on welfare, mm-hmm. graduated into the bottom of my class, had zero faith in my ability to yeah. navigate the academic environment. I thought that was something that could never happen. Right. And part of that is because of you. It's people like yourself who have found what I would perceive to be, I don't know if I use the term unconventional, but you've clearly, especially based on what I heard this morning <laughs> from a student who, yeah. by the time she got describing you, I wasn't sure if she liked you, but <laughs> I, was, I was... I'm going to unfriend her. Hold on. Let me get my phone out. Let me get my phone. But... uh who people who have just who have decided to do something different in the classroom to gain the respect and to get students who understand that your message comes through the lens of caring. Yeah. So I want to just circle back real quick and ask you when you're talking about people who inspired you mm-hmm. and influenced you at Oneana. Are there any parts of those experiences that you took and use it? as a part of your pedagogical footprint. Yeah, I think that, um, yes, I think that- Oh, that's good enough, Mike. Right, yeah. So, (laughs) go ahead. I think that, you know, I've always been a big fan of um, an atmosphere of caring 
and I, I, you get nervous when you say fun, you know, but like a caring, uh, and I, I will say though, a fun atmosphere, like, you know, you have these kids for 84 minutes, take, you know, take a minute to make a joke. You know, is that considered block scheduling? Yes. It yes. Is. Okay. Take a minute, like to, you know, tell a quick story of your, you know, I always liked when, when teachers let us know about themselves. Um, but at the same time, I didn't love when teachers, we didn't do anything in the class. You know, we all had those classes where the teacher just didn't do much, you know, like one little quiz and mm. all right, independently read and this kind of thing. But, uh, so I did, so I like, a, I like a fun, productive, caring environment and the teachers that I had created those. Um, when it comes to ELA, I like you know, out of all those methods and theories and uh, pedagogies, there's it's the reflection and connection that I like the most. That, that that is one constant in education. And when you've been doing it for 23 years, some methods come, some methods go. You so you've know, been teaching how long? 23. You've I'm, I'm closing out year 23. Outstanding. Yeah. So it's been a minute, and it, that's long enough to see things come and go. Mm. But nothing. They always tell you to have you know connect the characters in the book to their lives. To, and I don't think yeah. we've we've discussed what grade do you teach? Eleventh. 11th. All 11th, yes. This semester, I had one 10th grade class last year, uh, but now it's all 11. What is it like in 2022, 2023 to teach 11th grade students in this country? I, I love it. Okay. I do. I'm a, what are they like? Well, they're coming off a pandemic, so they're eager to be in school. That's one thing that's for sure. How do you know? You just know. You just know because they when they when we opened back up, you know, we when I started at New Hartford two years ago, I was a virtual teacher only. Then we did like a lot of schools, we did the whole like five kids in this cohort would come in. And that was kinda nice in in the way that you would see a kid that was in a class with only four other kids every other day. Really? Yeah. And it, they would be like, yeah, because they'd have like these cohorts. I don't know if I've heard about that. Well, some of the kids would stay virtual. They had that option. So a lot did. And then the kids who wanted to come to school, they would, they would put them in cohorts alternating days. So you would see this kid, you know, this kid with four other kids in the class. And that was good to watch kids when they're in a room with four other kids, they become instant friends. I, I literally watched that happen at New Hartford. This kid never hung out with this kid, but now they're in a class of four. You know, they're the only four in the class every other day for 84 minutes. They find something they like about, they find commonality. So that was cool, but they were hungry to come back. Then, then when we said, okay, we're open for business, everybody can come back. They just acted, they, they had that first day feel to them. And then, and then, you know what I mean? And obviously there are some problems from the pandemic. Of course, I'm not, not that blinded by looking at the glass half full, mm. but, but they, you know, it's nice to be, I like teaching 11th graders. They're, they're. They're almost out. You know what I mean? They're almost out. They start to formulate a plan or start thinking about one. It's a cool spot in their lives. How do you perceive mental health of students has been in the past 10 years? I think it's, well, it's come to the surface more now that we okay. talk about men. Remember when we didn't talk about it at all? Of course. And so that that's nice to see that there is, um, you know, open communication about it and I like to see that. I see, I think the pandemic did a lot on mental health. I do. Um, and, and I think anybody in education would agree with that. We're working on it. I, you know, we're doing things to work on it. Um, communication about it and having people available, which is nice. You know, I know that in my school, kids can go to an office and talk to someone if they're having a hard time and they do. You know, that we, was we, my next question. Yeah, you see participation. We, yeah, you do. You see, you know, you know that this kid is, you know, going through this, and you, you're aware of it. And good thing he's talking to this person about it, and 
whatnot. At least we're aware of it. When I was in school, when I was a high school kid, kept your problems to yourself. You know, guidance counselors were schedule makers. You didn't really go down there and, you know what I mean? They just, yeah. So it's nice to see social workers and guidance counselors taking the reins on those things and just teachers. But, but I do see, I, I do think that the pandemic, you know, like the, the mental health is tough with the phone. The, I think the biggest problem, if you ask any teacher, it's probably the, the phones, you know, the, you know, you could walk by, remember when you used to walk into a building and there'd be kids at cafeterias waiting for the bell to ring, they'd all be talking. Now you walk in, you see like eight kids at a table all on their phone. Sign, you know what I mean? They're not, that that kind of. What, I, what I, do you perceive the consequence of that is? Well, I don't. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of uh, negative consequences from that, like what we're doing right now and talking to each other. What an opportunity this! You're missing opportunities to be present with people and look them in the eye and laugh. And there's just something very sad and distant. Like it's 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 enhancing distance. Yeah, you might be next to the person at a table, but you both have your face in a phone. You're both tilted away from each other. You might as well be on separate islands. And that's, I, I, I just think that that's dangerous in many ways. And I look, no one's on Facebook more than I am. I put myself out there, but, uh, you know, and, and I understand checking the message when you have four kids at home, like I was sneaking looks at my phone, but, but they're missing out on what we had last night at that dinner. That was, you know, my stomach hurt from laughing when you were, <laughs> when you were. You know what I mean? When you were going over the cruise ship and I was I was driving home laughing at that. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. It was funny. Right? It, was, it was a fun and that's the that's the negative consequence. Like you're missing moments like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm curious. Uh, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I know when my wife and I had our boys younger, we were to, we were trying to decide at what age. Yeah. The kids get a phone. What's it like in the Ryan house? Well, my nine-year-old has a phone, and so does every nine-year-old she's friends with. What okay. we do is make sure she doesn't have TikTok. She doesn't have, you know, the, you know. And I, we check her history and what she Google's, you know. So that's, and you know, she messages my sister. She texts my sister a lot. My daughter does, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we just, you know, I get nervous. You're parenting. Yeah, you're. I'm. We're parenting. We, you know, we check. I look through her history. I look through her phone every, almost every night. I just, just look at her search history and she's at, I'm lucky because she doesn't know how to clear it. You know what I mean? Like, what did she, yeah. my wife and I laugh. It gives us a source of laughing. She reads these I survived books and one of them was on, I survived a tsunami. And then she Googled, will a tsunami hit Utica? <laughs> it's like, come on, you know, <laughs> it's like really cute stuff. But, um, but I know that it'll only a couple of years and I'll be really worried. <laughs> Indeed. But. That's a little bit about uh, Mike Ryan from childhood to college, getting bit by the education bug and transitioning toward the world of English. <laughs> and interestingly enough, how my mother-in-law was a the English teacher at uh, Whitesboro. And um, I remember at one point she actually corrected my my brother's speech at our wedding. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but at any rate. Uh, what brings Mike and I together is also a different facet of his world, and Mike's and his family were tested several years ago under the lens of uh, cancer and leukemia. So asked Mike to, to spend a couple of minutes just talking about the journey that his family experienced with his daughter. What do you want us to know, Mike? Well, she's in June, she'll be under the survivorship, so that's 
good to know. She's, Indeed. She battled, and uh, we've been blessed and lucky that she's been able to survive, and we're coming close on that, you know, three years out is what you look forward to. Uh, not an easy experience. Um, How old was she was diagnosed? Two, just turned two. And this, I try to make this an informative component right. as, you, as you tell a little bit about your story, because I cannot tell you in, in, in the past... 15 years of doing this work, right? how many people ask me what it's like for other parents? Yeah. And not everybody's on Facebook. Right. Not everybody has the interest of reaching out and asking the difficult questions. Right. And so this is an opportunity through the podcast where people can listen to stories. So for you, what were the symptoms that said to you, we need to pay attention to something's different here? Yeah. So what happened was... She was in diapers, two years old, and she had these little like pink dots on her waistline, right where her diaper line is, and uh, dots and like little like pink and uh, red scratches. Now, when you change a kid, right, this was like the winter time, you know, March, so it's the winter in central New York, you know. Every time you take a diaper off, they, their hands go digging in their belly. Remember that when you were changing your boys and they would dig, sure. they dig their hands. So I, my wife and I, just thought they were. Scrapes, you know, fingernail scratches, but they were dots in some spots. They were dots. So that was like, huh, this is odd. You know, it's an odd scrape. Mm. If anybody's listening to this, I don't, you know, I would tell them hit the panic button, you know, like that's one thing I remember. I, we were thought, we thought it was just fingernail scratches. So we let it go for days, not months, not weeks, but days. I remember telling my friend at work, uh, Debbie, she said, you know, you gotta get that checked out. And I'll always regret not getting it checked out sooner, even though it was only a couple days I still, that's like one of those things that's going to... Something you're carrying. Yeah, 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 you carry it. Took her uh, to to the doctor, uh, had two nurses there. I'll never forget this. One nurse was young and one was seasoned. And they were both great. The young one was trying to comfort me because I was kind of worried, you know. And she was like, oh, this is probably petechiae, no big deal. You know, it's, it's we see this all the time. And I'll never forget the other nurse, the older nurse was like, eh, it could be something. Uh, none of the woods. Like she would just like, she would just insert these little, you know, well, it might be something, you know, mm. and they drew her blood and, and I don't fault that nurse for, she was just trying to pacify, you know what I mean? Indeed. Um, and, uh, and I thought that was really sweet of her actually to, to try to calm a guy down. Cause there was worry in my eyes. Um, but then I, you know, they took blood and then, uh, it got the call and we raced out to Syracuse. That was Friday, March 9th and, uh, 2018. And we, we drove out to Syracuse. Now get this on the way out there. Her, she never had a nosebleed in her life. Her nose started bleeding. I'll always look at that as the body telling you something's wrong. Like, you know, and I'll always get mad that we didn't listen soon enough. But so I always tell people like overreact. I know doctors can't stand Dr. Henderson's probably like, don't tell people this, (laughs) but they, you know, if you get a cough, you you know, they, they don't want you to bring but err on the side, you know, go take, if, if there's any worry in your mind, cause something didn't look right about those little red dots. It just didn't look like scratches. They were dots. Mm. So that's, so I, I would encourage anyone, if you, if there's a question mark above your head, take them in. What, you know, if so you burn a half a day at work, so you get docked, uh, you know, who cares? You'll sleep well. So that, and then we went and met her team that night and they put the port in the next day and what was the official diagnosis? Uh, acute B cell leukemia. Okay. Yeah. So. And then, you know, they, they, they were used to that, you know, and then, uh, we started the treatment. That's how I met you. 
What, uh, what kind of treatment <laughs> protocol did she go through? Uh, she went through extensive chemo right away. We did uh, a lot of stays in the hospital. You know, they have that plan. What's funny about it is they have a plan for you that goes like, you know, you know where you're going to be the next 18 months, you know, in terms of like when they're going to, when you're going to come in and receive chemo, you know, so 18 they, months, they tell you right well, that, the they were like, this is what you're going to, this is yeah. what you're going to do. And, and the first six months is very hospital heavy. You're in the hospital. They, you keep, they keep you there for, you know, a week, you go home for five days, you come back for a week. It was like a lot of that. Um, and another thing I would tell people is, you know, um, I told people before to hit the panic button if you're panicked. I would also say save your sick days if you can too. You know, like, you know what I mean? If you have to go Christmas shopping, go at 2.30, 3 o'clock, you know, knock off half a day. What I guess I'm trying to say is I was able to use my sick time, which was very beneficial. Um, if you save it up, you know, you can. So that was, you know, because we were, I was at the hospital a lot and my wife was eight and a half months pregnant. I think that's what made our story so catchy mm. is that, you know, my wife was about to pop, you know, and she was eight and a half months pregnant. Taylor was born April 1st. Um, so I think people kind of felt bad that, you know, so with the new baby, I, I was the one that went to the hospital because Ashley's nursing, you know, she's, you know, and whatnot. So yeah, she's she's a trooper, my wife. But but that, that was that was hard for her because she wanted to you know she wanted to be in two places at once. But but actually having a baby at the time was great. I didn't think when it when she first got diagnosed, I was like, screw this world, you know. I was like screaming like Bruce really? Almighty. Yeah, because I, I was like, are you kidding me? Like we're about to have a baby. Baby was the be Taylor was the best thing because, you know, you're so busy, with you know with a with a newborn, that you it's a nice I don't want to say distraction, but it keeps you busy. You have something to do. How angry did you get? I got angry. I was pissed. I was really mad. You know, I'm a nice, I think I'm a nice guy. Like, you know, like. Well, I didn't hear that yeah. this morning. But, <laughs> but you know, I was kind of like, oh, come on. You know, like I was really mad. And then I think everybody is really mad. But when, when that first happens, because they sit you down, they're so blunt with you, you know, like. Okay. They don't, they don't say she's going to be all right. They, they say this treatment has worked for other kids and we anticipate no problems so far, you know, but they can't tell. And I'm the guy like, well, tell me she's going to be all right. Mm. Like, and you can't ask a doctor that they can't say she's going to be a hundred percent fine. No problems, mm. you know? And I was like grabbing their arm and saying, look me in the eye and tell me, you know? So I was like, and they can't do that. So I was mad. I think we were all mad, you know, but then. How long does that anger last, Mike? I, in some ways forever, you know, like in some ways, I mean, I, I'm lucky she's here, you know, like I know how lucky I am. You know how lucky we are. You know what I mean? Sure. You're, you're surrounded by it and, and personally affected by it too. Mm -hmm. But, but it lasts a little bit like every time, you know, it's a life sentence, you know, like, um, she ripped her tube. She still eats, she has problems eating. So she still eats through a tube at night. We give her like the nutrients she needs and she ripped that or her sister ripped it out the other night playing um, with her, you know, so I had to drive out to Syracuse and get it back in. And I get mad at and that. This is how many years later? Uh, you know, from 2018 to, to to now. So five years later, you know, but at the same time, like you meet these, you feel ashamed for being mad when you see what other people have gone through. Not everybody. You said something that's been a trumpet for me, Mike, and a lot of people, and I don't know if people hear me or not. I think it's irrelevant at this point of my service is, I try to find comfort in the fact that I'm saying it, and that is, it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. I don't like words like cancer-free. There's no such thing. Yeah. And that's one thing that people use all the time, and I speak up. There's no such thing as cancer-free. Right. You know, you have no idea, as you know as a father. Right. 
your kid wakes up the next day and has a fever or a stomach ache or something's hurting, you go back to ground zero. I sure do. And yep. people need darn yeah. it to understand that. Yeah. yeah. And I think saying things like cancer free, yep. it, it just diminishes the importance of living. Yeah. It diminishes the importance of, you need to remember from where you've come so you can live a life. Right. Right. Because yeah. you just don't know. Right. And so that's that's always been one of my my uh, one of my crutches. Yeah. So I'm interesting uh, interested too, Mike. Um, one thing I like to ask parents because kids, if anything, I've learned it's how much stronger kids are than we give them credit yeah, for. Yeah, for sure. I just can't believe it. Yeah. Yes. And I was sharing the, this morning. I was officiating a basketball game the other night with this young lady. She was in fourth grade or third grade. And she had palsy in one of her hands, couldn't mm-hmm. use the hand very much at all to dribble or hold the ball. And and when she tried to shoot with her one hand, she probably got three quarters of the way up to the rim. Right. And every time kids that age, I know you can imagine me on a basketball right, court with right, kids that yeah, age. Yeah, I'm just yeah, walking yeah. entertainment. Right, right, right yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but it's such an honor to be out there right. to support these kids because right. like you know in the classroom, and I'm, hopefully I'm not digressing, but you can tell in the classroom who is welcome. Mm-hmm. You can tell in the classroom who comes from a halfway decent family, a right. supportive home. You can tell. You can, yeah. you can tell who is accepted by their peers. Mm-hmm. Right. You can tell who's struggling. Maybe not specifically with what, but you can tell who's struggling in the classroom. So this young lady, when kids shoot, I'm always, that was a really great shot right. or a good pass right, or a right. good screen. Yeah. yeah. But what I told her, that was really terrific. She lit up like sure. Christmas. Sure. And I knew that she didn't see her contribution to the basketball team as a deficit. Right. She was a contributor. Right. Yes. So I'm curious. Amen. Yeah. Amen. In the game of your journey, what has your daughter thus far taught Mike? Well, she's taught me, I mean, this is so cliche, but she has taught me how to be strong. I mean, she was only two when she went through this and four and a half when she closed out of the treatment, the aggressive treatment. Uh, she just taught, well, she's taught me so much in terms of being strong. Like I watched this poor kid get poked and prodded, this poor kid, you know, but not only that, but like life is worth, I try to, I try to put things in, not try. I, I think I do really well putting things in perspective, like, you know, everything from, from, you know, her IEP meetings that we have and all the way to w- when something bothers me and I get like annoyed about it. It just, it has given me a, a fresh eyes on, on the world and life. It's, you know, it's, it's filled my soul up in terms of that. It's been nice. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that you, you do that. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't be across the table from you if it wasn't for, that, you know, like her going through what she's gone through and then how you live your life and, you know, and how we connected over that, you know, like I'll never forget if I'm just going to digress for a second. When Ella got sick, do you remember you sent me a message through Facebook inbox? Hey, I'm Dr. Mark Montgomery. I run a uh, organization that could really help you out. Let me know when you, you know, let me know what we can do for you. You know? And then like, I read that and it was like very new. She was still, this was like in the very beginning of her, her diagnosis. And I just like, I looked at it, I was like, oh, that's really nice. And I just forgot about it, you know, to be honest. Thanks, Mike. No, I know. But like every, <laughs> anyone I ever had a class with was reaching out as people sure. do, which is, be- which is beautiful. Anybody like, you know, anybody that you ever shared a class with that no, you know, so that was like, I was getting hit with all these messages, which were great. And then like another message from you. 
hey, I swear it was like one month later. Like you must have put it in your calendar and you do, you do these things like, you know, just like, oh yeah, I haven't heard that. Let me just check back. And it was like another nice message. And then, you know what I mean? And I'll, and then you invited me to lunch and you, and you, you know, and then you showed me all the things that your organization does. I remember when we were eating lunch, I remember you were going to play a bet. I think you were going to play a basketball game. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And you were People like, something and, you, and I remember it was just like noon we met <laughs> and you ordered six chicken wings because you didn't want, you were like, I don't want to be too full. I'm going to, I'm like, who orders six chicken wings? Like that is not a lunch. Like, you know, and you ate like three and I just remember being like, Lisa, you heard that. Yeah. Right? Yes. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and you brought the book, you brought the book and you showed me. And then, so it, it has taught me that there are people out there. And I'm going to circle back to this. Like you asked me what this taught me. There are good people out there. There are good people who live to help others. And I've learned that, you know, and I am going to talk about you because like, I always tell my wife, like, if you took a picture, you, if you took a selfie or a picture of everything you did for other people, you would be Bono. You know what I mean? Like you would be like, no, you would be like, you know what I mean? But you don't do, you're not even on social media anymore, really. You know, but you don't like, if you did that, you would have a Nobel Prize, yeah. you know, but you do take the picture, but you just put it on a slideshow for 30 people to see at an organization. You don't like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, there are good people in the world that live to help others. And well, it's, it's people like yourself. And I also want people to know that, you know, Mike is currently serving on our, on, on our board. You know, we ask people to come on for a year or longer, whatever they want, uh, to give people the opportunity to, to to give back um you know this the work that that i i'm fortunate to do right um i tell people all all the time that the organization and this volunteerism drives my professional and personal conduct you know i'm not jesus christ i'm a man with many flaws but i at least aim to try to do a better thing because i know because of your experiences of people like yourself who i've met with um, how valuable today really is yeah well, Anything else you'd like the families to know before we close out that segment? Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I just think that we're in a little club, and it's a, it's a club that you know is full of tough people. I just, when you see someone who's going through it, just know they're tough. If they're not tough, they're going to get tough quick, and I mean that in a good way. Like it's just. It's, I like what you just said. Yeah. They're going to get tough quick. Yeah. It's just, it's just a special group of people, and you just always feel so blessed if you're someone like me. And, and, you know, your child's here, uh, you, you know, because all you can think about is the ones you meet that aren't. And it's just like, it's, mm-hmm. it's something you think of every day, you know, I you tell know. people all the yeah. time, we average two losses a year. Yeah. Yep. And I get those text messages from you and I'm like, oh man, mm-hmm. it just hits you. You know, yeah. you don't feel like doing anything for days. You're, right. you're so distraught. So there, you know, check on the people who've lost, you know, check on the people, uh, let them know because that goes away into like anything, life goes back to normal for everybody. So not those people, but for, you know what I mean? And so I just think that you should always check on people, um, who've lost. Yeah. And I hope that, uh, what we do as an organization teaches people to honor loss through moving forward. Right. You know, that's yeah. what Joe does for me. Yeah. You know, I, I, yep. I remember the loss like it was yesterday. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the scar that I don't, and I don't want that scar to heal. Right. You know, I want that to remain fresh and I want to feel that pain. Right. Because it drives me toward that level of, of excellence. So right. I thank you for your willingness to share your story. And sure. Give parents just a little bit of knowledge. Yeah. And a little bit of, uh, 
this is real. This is not a joke. You can get punched in the face, but there's a path. Yeah. So thank you for sharing yeah, that. Sure. All right, my friend, what keeps you motivated? My family, my, my family immediately, uh, my immediate family, I meant to say is what keeps me motivated. Give me more. I, I want to be a good dad to them. I try to, I want them to tell their friends when I'm gone that, that what the things that I say, I had great parents. I had a great dad. You know, I want them to say that I know they, they sure as hell got a great mother. So I want to say that they have a great dad so that they keep me motivated professionally. My school, I'm in a new school. And I just, I, like a new hallway, you know, I'm in the math hallway at my school. I'm the only English teacher in the math hallway, but there are a ton of teachers around me that are very inspirational. You know, I, I look, again, I look to be motivated, but, you know, like my mentor, Jen Clive, I got to talk about her. She's just for a quick second. She's sure. great. She's got six children of her own um, and she, and various ages. And she's just like a great inspiration she's a teacher she's a teacher yeah she's six she, kids well that's I, amazing when teachers have yeah, sick kids there's I something know, wrong with i know that i know yeah i well it's funny because i'm <laughs> I, I got hired at age 42 and you still have to have a mentor you know even though you've been doing it forever that's and, she, so and cool. she and she and i thought it was great like she is a great mentor at the end of the year my boss mr benson's like uh anything we should know i said make her the next man you know i mean keep her mentoring new teachers like she is good so does I she get, know the influence she's had on Yeah, you? I think so. But she's one of those people like dismisses it, you know, like you. Kind of like you. you. No, like you. <laughs> like you. You know, oh, no, no. But yeah, but she's great. I'm motivated by by the people around me Wonderful. that are killing it. How would you describe you? Uh, I... People... I, I'm a people person for sure. I like. Oh, I'm a talker. Has anyone been listening to this? Uh, I, I'm a, I like people. I'm open-minded. I'm open to change. I've a lot of things, really? a lot of things that I've said in my life, standing on a mountaintop saying I've later negated. I can't even think of examples, just anything like politically or anything like, you know what I mean? Just, you know, I, I always, I, I've learned by now that I should not stand on a mountaintop and, and proclaim any opinion on anything. Cause I am, op I am open to change. Like I will listen and I will, I can be swayed. Uh, to a side I never thought I, so I think that, which I think is a good quality, you know, to, instead of just like, I don't want to, you know, it's my way or the highway and this is the way we've always done it. And this and that versatility. Yeah. Do you perceive you are making a difference in the world in any capacity? Uh, the world, probably not my world. Maybe, hmm. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what part of your existence do you think does? I think uh, I try to, like, again, I'm, I'm trying to be a good parent. That's my number one goal. Be a good dad. Show my kids a good life. Show what the world can be to navigate through this world, this blessed sip of life uh, that we get. Um, so I think I'm, and I think I'm doing, I'm trying to, I always use the word, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. The humbleness. There it well, is. I'm, I'm trying. You know, I, I don't, I don't. Teachers who say like, "Oh, I make a difference," you wouldn't be an "Oh, I inspire this and that." They're usually not the best teachers. And the you ever notice that the ones Indeed. who the ones who say the it the most, talk the most, the ones who have the shirt that says "I inspire kids, I don't teach," they usually aren't that great. So, and it's the ones that like you know. So, um, I, I and I honestly don't know if I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying to. It's funny because there's one one person who did wear, wear that shirt, 
And wow, <laughs> is she a super, super teacher. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, not everybody. Indeed. There's exceptions to the rules. Yep. But, oh, yeah. but the ones that say it, the, the, the ones who talk about how great they are usually. I'm curious because beyond English, Mike, yeah. what do you want kids to take away from a class with you or a course with you or a semester with you? Uh, to look at life differently, probably okay. through, through the, the and then my favorite thing is you know talking about the books and the uh, you know, the characters and what they do, their story, and then how can we make it so we can make our story better. So I really like I, I like them to be thinkers. You know, I didn't like any of these books, but I, I like this one did make me think about this. You know, like that kind of okay. that kind of thing. I like that. What do you wish you could tell your younger self? Save your money. <laughs> I have four kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go with save your money. You don't need to, you know, you don't really need to eat out the third day in a row. <laughs> At friendlies. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do uh, what are you most proud of? I am proud of my kids so far. Um, I, I, this sounds so corny, but it is true. Is you know, I'm proud of Reagan for being a big sister. She was in kindergarten when Ella got diagnosed and she's just been like the best sister the best older sister in the planet is reagan i'm proud of ella for doing what she has done uh what she's been through and how she looks at life and she's so happy she's on a play date right now with a friend um and she's just like she loves life she loves life um i you know taylor is just i just I don't know. Yeah, I get like weepy about it, but that's the point. Yeah, my friend. yeah. that is the, the point. And Jack, you know, he's he's doing okay. He's only a year, but what's your favorite childhood memory? Uh, I have a bunch of them. I would probably just lump them into the the. We were a camping family. Uh, we would. My dad had you know a camper. We would go to Lake George and Crystal Lake, and I just remember those memories. They all kind of blend together, but just you know, we did things as a family, and I it just take. Not one trip stands out. We went to Disney a couple times. I found out my parents, I think, had to get a loan for it, you know? Like, yeah, so it's like just those kind of things. Just a, my parents giving us a good life. Above ground pool, couldn't afford an in-ground pool, but they could afford an above. You're getting an above ground pool, you know, like that kind of thing. They just did, yeah. What's your biggest failure? Ah. And what did you learn? I, you know... I don't know, like that, not being able to answer this question makes me sound conceited. I, I did not, when I applied to New Hartford, I did not get the job the first time I applied. I, you know, is that a failure? I, I, well, I failed to achieve what I wanted. It's a so challenge. It's a challenge. I did not get the job the first time. And the guy who got it is great. Yeah. I lost to a really great guy. Um, but that was, that was tough, you know, but I learned like, you don't always get what you want on your time, you know, I, well, I got, say. well, yeah, because like that was a middle school position and I, w I wanted to work at new Hartford. So I applied for any position, but it was middle school. I didn't get it. And, and that's not my preferred grade. I like the high school, but I would have taken the middle school, you know, but I didn't get it. I was devastated. And then like a couple years later, I get the high school job. So it, you know, is it, it, it's taught me that you don't always get what you want. Like you said. Uh, but maybe some uh, one door closes. Wait a minute, something. It's so cliche, but I, I, it's been true for me. Opening song to the old movie, The Big Chill. I'm dating myself. Yeah, yeah I know that movie. Right? Yep. The opening song is you right. can't always get what you want. Right. Yeah. But if you try real hard, you'll get, get what, what you, you need. need. Yeah. Rolling Stones. Yeah. If you could be remembered for one thing, Mike, what would you like it to be? Uh I would like to be remembered as a family man. <laughs>
as a family man. Like when, like when I'm gone, he was a family man. Well, it's certainly not Miranda's perception. Oh, I know, I know. Boy, am I digging a hole, huh, Miranda? Yeah, Miranda, you're the worst. I'm going on record. (laughs) Yeah, I want to be a family man. And then second, I know. (laughs) And then second to that, uh, a decent teacher. What's the best compliment you've ever received? Um, probably you, you know, this, uh, you, cause you've, you've had it not. to, right. You, what I'm saying, you personally know this. Oh, he's here. Um, whenever someone becomes an English teacher and cites you, that's, there's no greater compliment. I've been able to have that a couple times in my life and that's something What what's better than that, you know? What's a funny story your family would tell about you that you'd like to share? Uh, when I was being potty, my well, I'll tell you the one that my, my mom couldn't wait to tell everybody when I was growing up, which was um, when I was being potty trained. For some reason, came we were in Kmart. Remember Kmart? <laughs> Don't be dating me. <laughs> for some reason, they put little c- tiny kid porta potties on the bottom rack. They should be on the top, but they were on the bottom. I was just learning how to go to the bathroom, so. I saw one of these like foot, we were in the kids' aisle, you know, and one of the items was a bunch of porta potties. So I used one. And uh, my mom likes to tell a story, but what she fails to mention is we just ran out of the store. We did, we left it for some poor 15 year old stock boy to clean up, you know, like she forgets to tell that part. She's like, oh, Mike pooped in Kmart, you know, <laughs> but she doesn't tell the story, you know. So what's the favorite job you've ever held? Teaching. What has been your least favorite job you've held? Pizza Hut because of Marissa Rentron. No, uh, <laughs> I think my, my first job was walking dog, combing and walking dogs. I was like in great, uh, pardon me, um, middle school or something like that. And that's kind of a, for a dollar, uh, you know, walk the dog and comb it for a dollar. I thought that was like, and then I was a penny saver. They didn't even have that anymore. I would deliver the penny saver. Actually, they still do. Oh, they do? Locally. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I still used to made. deliver. I, I, you know, and I, that was like a, it was Tuesdays after school. I had to deliver. Exactly, Tuesdays. Oh, it, yeah, it was brutal. I got like bit by a dog one time and it was like, I, my check would be like $14 for a month or something. I was like, this is the worst job ever. <laughs> yeah. Paper name, boy. Name three influential people in your life. Mom, dad, wife. Why? Just, you know, my wife does all the heavy lifting like like a lot of wives do Indeed. when it comes to the kids. Shout out to them. Uh, my mom and dad for showing me how to give kids a good life, you know? And then the countless teachers I've had. Um, and you, Doc, you are one of them. Uh, we need to have you spend more time in the fresh air. <laughs> Favorite question of the podcast Uh-oh. is, what question do you wish people would ask you? Oh, man. That's a favorite question. That's my favorite question oh, wow. of the entire podcast. I'm wondering if you're wondering, you know, if people ask you, why would you wear an Aladdin shirt? <laughs> That's just me. But... <laughs> I, know. I know this shirt is terrible. Um, well, it's probably, I'm just going to make a philosophical yeah, assumption yeah. because you have young ladies. In your yeah, house. yeah, yeah. Well, I did hold up two shirts and I said, Reagan, what should I wear to the podcast? And she said that one. Did she tell you to come in here and start singing a brave new world? No, or... <laughs> she did not. All right. I don't know. Oh, what... no, it's a whole new world. That's the same. Yeah, a, a whole new world. Yeah, new... you got it. See, I'm dating myself. I don't know what the question. I really am drawing a blank on this. A question. Yeah, I nice wish... preparation. I know. Really, this would be tough. Um, <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. I what do other people answer or answer that? I'm not answering. Okay, that. what it's what would people ask me? No, what? Yeah, what is one question you wish they would ask you? I I think I don't. I really don't know. What's it like having four kids today? Is probably the question. It's What's not a answer? great answer. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, I bit off save, more than I could chew. Save your Help money. Me, right? yeah. <laughs> no, but we have doubled the um, national average, so it's it's a question like people ask me, and I guess I don't mind answering it. People do ask a lot. Man, four? What? They, that's a question I get a lot. So Fair I don't know enough. if I wish people would ask me, but I bombed out on that one, Doc. It's all right. You'll pay the fee later. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's transition to the final part of the podcast, and that is a rapid-fire question segment. Ready to play? I thought that was already. Yeah, in, <laughs> incoming. What's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Giving, receiving, or both? Um, giving. Fall, winter, summer, or spring? Summer. One question I forgot to ask Miranda this morning, you know, the person who doesn't like you, <laughs> uh, is when you see a high school teacher yeah. today... Do you call them by their first name? I do not. I always go by Mr. or Mrs. or or Ms. or yeah, I, I don't do that. Then they always tell me, almost always, I should say, you know, it's Susie or it's Kevin or you know what I mean. But even if they do, can you still make that transition? I can if they're if I'm I'm 45 now. If they're like 53, I can. You know, uh, my brother has a party and he's at White's. He has a Thanksgiving party every year, and he invites the Whitesboro teaching you know teachers. And some of them I had. If you're gonna have a beer with a guy, the word you know you don't want to hear like, "Hey, Mr. Ryan," when you're having a beer. So, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just certain things you don't want to hear. Fair enough. So I don't. Yeah. Best way to relax. What's that? Uh, <laughs> on the ca- iPad for me, on the couch with my iPad, watching listening something. to R and B. Listen, yes, yes, yeah. Favorite donut? Uh stoplight. Favorite music? Is it R and B or it, something it's, else? It's hip hop. It's hip hop. Hip hop. Yep, hip hop is my by far my favorite. Who would you pay five hundred dollars to see in concert? Snoop Dogg. Really? Yeah, I'd yeah, love to see him. Not surprised. Uh, <laughs> Would it feature Martha Stewart singing backup vocals? I know. People hate on him now because he's gone that direction, and <laughs> but I still think he's great. If you woke up tomorrow morning, it could go anywhere in the world. Yeah. Where's your journey taking you? I would probably go to, can I bring people or just me? Why are you asking to add into my questions? I don't know. Is it a solo trip or is it with family? Give me both. Okay. So if it was like solo, I'd go to Ireland, you know, because I've always wanted to see the motherland. My motherland, anyway. You know, you're Irish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm Irish. Where where are you going? We love deep waters. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) People, that's a private joke you're not going to hear on the podcast. But Uh, I'd take the kids to Disney for another uh, uh, week or so. That'd be great. Fabulous. Jeans, sweats, shorts. Sweatpants. I didn't finish. Sorry. Workout (laughs) pants or casual dress? Uh, Workout pants. People, this is why I drink after the podcast. (laughs) I just want to throw that out there. Favorite actor? Pacino. Favorite film? Son of a woman. We were watching Jeopardy the other night, and I totally forgot about Dog Day Afternoon. That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. Attica. Attica. Thank you. <laughs> Fla- favorite flavor frosting on your birthday cake? Chocolate. If you could have lunch with an inspirational person, who would it be? I did have dinner with him yesterday. 
Uh, <laughs> Jason, huh? good for you. <laughs> yeah. Who has the best tomato pie in central New York? Uh, Roma's. See if can get you in trouble. Sunshine or moonshine? Moonshine. Who the was, drink? Who, <laughs> who was your favorite teacher in high school? Uh, Kevin Powers, Susie. Can I, uh, it's got to be one. No. Kevin Powers, Susie Hamilton, Lynn Widrick. Suck up. <laughs> M&M's or Skittles? M&M's. What toppings belong on a pizza? Anything. I like it all. Are you serious? Hawaiian pizza's fine. Pepperoni, sausage. Hawaiian pizza should count as pizza? I think so. I That's an argument, people. Is it Die is Hard a Christmas movie? Um, yeah, good call. <laughs> good call. What does it mean to live instead of exist? To be present. To to value every second you have. Favorite mm-hmm. Halloween candy? I like Three Musketeers. My mind, too. Hug or a handshake? Hugs. Favorite ice cream? Chocolate ice cream. What kind of toppings? Uh, hot fudge, uh, whipped cream, cherries. Hot fudge on ch- chocolate ice yeah. cream? Yeah. Tasty. That's really weird. What? Did you ever play an instrument or do yeah, you play still, an instrument? I've been getting back into drums. I played through high school and I would, and I'm starting to pick it up uh, again a little, as much as I can with the kids running around the house. And Earlier in the podcast, you talked about being on top of a mountain. Sitting on, a, on top of a mountain, what do you see when you look out that would make the view magnificent? What would I see if I'm on a mountain? What would I see? Looking out, it would, would be make like it episode. would be like Whoville, like a real version of Whoville. Just people going where they're supposed to go, harmonious. I know it's cheesy, but I think of that. You know, I think of when the Grinch looks down and sees them all singing, and although that's not happening outside the window now, I, I notice those things. Like when the Memorial Day parade, it's like beauty. That's I like to see people come together and. I think like one that. of the funniest parts of that movie is when the dog has the antlers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still find <laughs> that like a absolutely string, yeah. hilarious. I'm not sure what that says about my person. Right, yeah. I think you're missing the point, Doc. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most meaningful gift you can give a friend, Mike? Your time. Outstanding. Yep. That's going to wrap this up for today. I think this might qualify as the longest podcast wow. between you and the next guest, uh, yep. the man. But um want to make sure to once again reiterate how thankful I am to have you in my life, Mike, and how Same. thankful we are in this community to have a person like you, you and your story and uh, to give your time and your heart to tell your story today. Anything you'd like to add before we close out? Just uh, thanks for everything, Doc, for everything you've done for my family. I'd like well, to thank you. And he's just going to sweep it under the rug. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm going to say is it's it's a two-way street, my yeah. relationships, and I appreciate that. Much love to you and yours, Same. my friends. That'll take care of the podcast for this particular segment. Have yourself a great day, and get outside and enjoy this. All right. DM. This has been another episode of Das Full Monty, the Good News Podcast. As always, thank you to our guests for the honor of their time and their contribution. The Good News Podcast is brought to you by the Oxford Road Professional Group in New Hartford, New York. I am the good doctor. And as always, thank you for making time to consider not only the good news, but Das Fulmonti, the Good News Podcast. Carpe diem and Donna Dego Ahi, which is Cherokee, for until we meet again. Remain well.